The title of this message is God is our healer. God is our healer. Does God still heal? Spoiler alert, God is our healer. So go to James chapter five as we conclude this series in James this week. It says this, James chapter five, verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We open our hearts to it right now, Lord, and we ask that you'll speak into our hearts. Help us to receive your word, apply it to our lives, and trust you, God, that what you say, you mean in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. We're going to jump right into teaching on this passage. Is that okay? James says, are any of you suffering hardships? Now, you don't have to raise your hand if you are tonight, but let me just ask you, are any of you suffering hardships? I mean, some people are. I know some of you are. You've emailed me. Some of you are like, I'm sitting next to my hardship. (laughs) Here's what the Bible says. You should pray. Doesn't that just sound like the most Christian-y thing Anyone could have said to you, you know, hey, I'm going through a really hard time. I really don't know what to do. It's not going so well. You should pray. Now, I got to be honest. There was a time in my life when I was younger and in my faith, if you would have just told me, well, you should pray, I would have been, thanks. Thanks a lot, guy, for nothing. I was looking for some help, maybe some practical help. But here you are telling me, just pray. But here's what we need to know, that even though this sounds like the right answer, it is the right answer. Because if you're going through hard times and if you're facing problems and you've got a situation where you're overwhelmed, you're suffering hardship, you should take your problem to the person who actually has the power to fix your problem. Now, in this time period where James is writing, the people who were suffering hardships were the early church Christians. We talked last week about how some of them, they were going to work all day for their boss, working hard, and then not even getting paid at the end of the day. And James said to them that God hears your cries. God specifically hears the cries of those who are hurting and oppressed and suffering hardship. So God's God's especially in tune to you when you're suffering. And you think, man, I I need him to be in tune to me when I'm suffering. I need some extra help. So we want to let God know that we are going through a hard time and that we want his help. You know, that's okay. That's okay to do that. It's okay to come to God and say, I have a problem. I have a problem. I need your help. I have a problem. And it's okay to be persistent about this. Jesus told a parable about a persistent widow who suffered injustice, and she took her case before a judge, and she had to kind of bring her case again and again and again. It was like Groundhog Day in the courtroom. And eventually the judge said, I've got to give this woman justice or else she'll never stop coming up in here. So that's what we need to know. It's okay when you have a need in your life, when you're suffering hardship, to bring it to God in prayer again and again and again and again. God will eventually show up just to shut you up. That's what we see. 
He will. He will listen to your prayers. But listen, we got to remember this. The primary goal of prayer is not to get God to do what we want him to do. It's to get us in the frame of mind to understand what he's doing and trust him. I'm not praying primarily to try to change God's mind about what's going on in my life. I'm praying, I'm praying to change my mind about what's going on in my life. I don't want to align God to my plans. I want to align my own mind to what God is doing. That's what we do when we pray. That's the primary benefit. So we pray. You have a hard time that you're going through? You should pray. You should talk to God about it. And don't discount the value and power of prayer. The way that you pray reveals how you think about God. If you don't talk to God when you're going through a hard time, you're essentially saying, I don't believe that God either cares about my problems or has the power to do anything about it. So when you're going through a hard time, bring your needs to God. But then James goes on and he says this, are any of you happy? You should clap your hands. Yeah. Now that's from the wedding I went to. He says, if you're happy, you should sing praises. And he means it literally, like you should literally sing praises, not metaphorical, with your mouth, out loud, the voice God gave you. You're like, Pastor, I don't, I don't really have a good voice. God knows he made you. He knows you don't have a good voice. But you still, you should still sing praises. Now, one of the things I want to touch on here is that for many years in the church world, I think people felt like they had to pretend that everything was okay. They had to pretend they thought that, you know, well, nothing's wrong. How's it going, brother? Oh, great. It's going great. And in your heart, you're dying. And so then for some time now, we've been saying it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say I'm not doing well at all. The Bible actually says a lot about suffering. And the majority of the Psalms are about mourning and lament. So it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to say, man, I'm not, I'm not doing good. I'm not doing good right now. I'm worried. I'm suffering. It's okay to say that. But listen, I think sometimes the pendulum has swung too far the other way, and we've almost started to act like if someone says they're doing well, that they're faking. And we can almost act like, well, if you say you're happy, then you must have bad theology because you should probably be mourning about something. <laughs> the reality is it's okay to be okay. It is. It really is. Let's be honest, there are going to be a lot of times in your life when you're going through a hard time. So when you are happy, just roll with it. Just own it, you know? Sometimes people ask me, like, how are you doing, Pastor? I'm like, I'm doing great. How are you really doing? I'm like, I'll tell you if I'm not doing well. I'm doing great right now. And the truth is this, that we could always think of something to discourage us. We could always find something in our lives that isn't quite going as well as we wish it would have. We could wish that some things were stronger or better, or that you're earning more money, or that your kids were a little bit you know, difficult. And we need to know, even if you're going through something where you're like, man, it's not the best situation, I wish it was a little different, you can still be happy. You can still have joy in your heart. You really can. You can say, man, I believe even though there are difficult things in my life that I have other things that I can be joyful about. And I think that honestly, we should literally sing praise. I got some good news last week. I was up in my office here at the church where I actually work during the week. Some of you ask that sometimes like, so what do you do all week? Do you just like pray and listen to worship songs and stuff? Like, no, I have a, I have a job here that I, anyway, so I'm in my office 
and I get to some good news over the phone, and I mean, it was good news. I had to sing God's praise. I started singing Jehovah Jireh up in my office. You know the song I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you know what song I'm talking about. That's old school praise and worship, but maybe you don't know that song. You can still sing God's praise when you're happy. You can sing, you are good, you're good, oh. And you can sing, you're never gonna let me down, right? You can just sing praise because you're happy. You just own it. And listen, when someone in your life is singing praise to God, don't ever quench that person's desire to sing praise. Don't ever tell them, oh, you're always singing. Oh, stop with the singing. I don't want to hear you sing. You should be celebrating that the people in your life are singing God's praise. Doesn't matter if they don't have a good voice. Doesn't matter. You should be happy that they're singing praise. My wife celebrates my off-key singing all the time. Because she knows that if her husband's singing God's praise, man, things are going to go well in her household. You know what I mean? So don't ever, ever discourage someone from singing God's praise. I always want to encourage you in that. Then verse 14, it goes on. And this is the subject I really, I really want to focus on tonight. Are any of you sick? Are any of you sick? And it's not talking about like the sniffles or you got allergies. It's about extreme sickness. It says you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. So this shows us when you're sick, first, I want to point this out. When you're sick, it's your responsibility to call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Right. Sometimes I've had people say, uh, Pastor Ryan, I was sick for three weeks and no one even noticed. Did you, did you call for the elders of the church? And, and if you're not, not sure the word elders, it, it's like pastors, elders, presbyters, overseer, bishop. All those words mean the same thing in the Greek. Okay. Did you call? It's your responsibility. Pastor Ryan, I was sick three, four weeks. No one even noticed. It's like, you only come to church once every three or four weeks. And then you don't do anything when you're there. So how would anyone notice? I'll say, I'm getting too real for right now. Okay, it's about healing. It's about healing. <laughs> you call, you call. Not one time has anyone ever called our church and said, Hey, we're sick. We need someone to come pray for us. And, and we ha and had us say just, no, we, sorry, we can't do that. We will always come. Someone will always come to pray over you. And the, I, I read this passage. You should call on the elders of the church. And, and honestly, my first question is, well, why? Why do Christians need to call on their pastors and elders and spiritual leaders to come and pray for them? It doesn't make sense to me initially because I think, well, we all have the same Holy Spirit inside of us. So why do I need to call on the elders? It doesn't quite make sense to me. So I, I've been thinking about it and praying about it. And there's a few things that come to my mind. One, I think that when we call on our spiritual authority, it's a way of symbolically showing that I recognize God's authority over sickness and disease. Secondly, I think sometimes when we're sick, we can find ourselves incredibly discouraged, can't we? When you're in pain, it's one of the most discouraging things you'll ever experience in your life. It can break you. And I think James knew you want some people to come into your life in that moment whose faith is strong, even though your faith might not be strong in that moment. You might need to borrow someone else's faith. Right? And notice, right, it says the elders are going to pray over you. They're going to pray over you. You might not even feel like you can pray for yourself, but they're going to come and they're going to pray for you. And that's a benefit. 
That's a benefit. I, I want you there to encourage me in my faith if I need prayer. And the elders, the pastors, they'll come and they'll encourage you in your faith. And they'll remind you of God's goodness and his faithfulness and his power to heal. So it says they should come, they should pray over you. And then it says this, anointing you with oil. They're going to come, they're going to anoint you with oil. What's that about? Listen, this is the one essential oil that I endorse. All right? Because God endorses it. This practice of anointing with oil, what, what is this? Is this just like a weird old time thing that we don't really need to do anymore? Is it still for us? Maybe you've wondered this. Here's the deal. This is a profoundly spiritual thing, anointing someone with oil. This is not medicinal, right? It's not like, oh, the leaves of this plant will help cure your, it's not talking about that. It's not medicinal. It's not soothing. Just like, I'm going to rub this oil in your sore muscles. It's not, it's not for that. It's spiritual. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual anointing. This anointing with oil is a spiritual intensifier of prayer. Just like prayer and fasting. Fasting is also an intensifier of prayer. Well, how does that work? I don't know. Okay, like I'm not God, right? But something about fasting intensifies our prayer. I don't know the formula for how it works. Right? I don't have a formula. I don't have an equation or an algorithm of how, how anointing oil intensifies prayer. But I know that God's word shows me again and again, and it tells me clearly that we should we should do this. Here's another example in Mark chapter six, verse twelve. So they, the disciples, went out and proclaimed that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. People who were sick were anointed with oil, they were healed. Do you realize that God's own son, Jesus, his name Messiah in Hebrew or Christ in Greek, means anointed? That's what it means anointed. To be anointed is to be set apart for a special purpose. That's what it is. Jesus was set apart for a special purpose to save humanity from their sins, right? And so when we anoint someone with oil, what we're doing symbolically is saying, God, we set this person apart for your special attention and care. And the purpose is not like what maybe some of you grew up in the Catholic church and you saw people anointed with oil as part of last rites, as preparation for death. The purpose of anointing with oil is not preparation for death, but restoration to life. To see healing come into someone's life. So they're supposed to anoint you with oil. Then it says this, in the name of the Lord. This is very important. In the name of the Lord. Because this shows us the power for healing does not come from the pastor. It does not come from the oil. It comes from the Lord. The Lord is the one who heals. Jesus is the one who heals. We see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. So Jesus, as part of his ministry on this earth, he healed. He would go around preaching and healing disease. Why did he heal disease? One, to validate his power and his identity, his claim to be the son of God. He said, I'm the son of God, so I'm gonna show you I'm the son of God through exercising my power to do miracles, to heal disease, and he did it. The second reason that he healed disease is because God is our healer, and that's just what he does. Jesus, being God, could not help but heal disease. Everywhere that he went and he encountered sick people, he said, well, I'm God, God's a healer, I'm gonna heal some people who need healing. That's just what he did. So through Jesus, we can receive healing even to this day. And it was made possible by the work that he accomplished on the cross. 
When Jesus went to the cross, he bore our sin and he bore our sickness. Do you know that? Maybe some of you grew up in church hearing about Jesus taking away your sins, but depending on the background you came from, you might have not heard a lot about him taking away your sickness. But the Bible clearly shows us this. He took away our, our sickness and disease. Isaiah 53, we're going to start there. It says, surely he has borne our griefs. And I want you to notice this word griefs. In Hebrew, this word is translated 20 times in the Old Testament as sickness or disease, and only four times as grief. So it's used 24 times, 20 of those times, sickness or disease or sickness, uh, sick sickness or disease, yeah. So here it is, he bore our sickness or griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. Transgressions are sin. He was crushed for our iniquities, another word for sin. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. Okay, this is a great passage. We love this passage as Christians. It's so powerful. Isaiah the prophet was speaking prophetically of the Messiah who would come. And he told us he bore our sickness, he bore our sin on the cross. The punishment that we deserve brought us peace because Jesus took the punishment. He took that punishment so that we could have peace. And, and maybe you hear about the word peace and you think the absence of war, the absence of conflict. I want peace in my household. But it's not just that. Because in Hebrew, peace means, it's the word shalom, and it's so much more complex than how we say peace. We mean, hey, I don't want to fight when we say peace. When the Jews talked about peace, the word shalom, it means wellness completely in your body and in your household. It means wholeness. Nothing is broken. Nothing is missing. So Jesus took our punishment on the cross so we could have that kind of peace. And he was physically beaten. He physically took stripes across his body from a whip uh, that scourged him and tore his flesh. The physical suffering he endured allowed us to be physically healed. By his stripes, we are healed. Prophet Isaiah told us that this was going to come through the Messiah. And then watch this, 1 Peter 2.24. Looking back now, it says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. And watch how the word choice changes. By his wounds, you have been healed. Isaiah was looking forward to the cross when the Messiah would come. He said, by his stripes, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. We will be healed. Then Jesus came. He died on the cross. He took on our sin. He took on our sickness. Then Peter looked back to the cross and he said, by his wounds, you have been healed. Healing has been made available to you through what Jesus did on the cross. Some people still, though, they, they wrestle with this. Well, how do we know that, that that gets us out of sickness? How do we know that that gives us the opportunity to be healed from disease? Well, we're going to show you another example. In Matthew chapter 8, it's going to talk about Isaiah. Matthew chapter 8, it's going to talk about Isaiah also. When Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in bed with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. We just heard from him. He took up our infirmities and bore our diseases. So again, the New Testament scripture is expanding and expositing the Old Testament scripture just so we don't miss the point that on the cross, he took up our sin 
and our disease. Are we all on the same page? I think it's so funny that Jesus comes into Peter's house and his mother-in-law is there sick and he's like, I'm hungry. I need someone to make me a sandwich. My mom's sick. Sorry, bro. She can't help you. Oh, how about this? Boom, you're healed, right? She gets up and I I think Peter was probably like, Jesus, why'd you have to heal my mother-in-law? Like, I mean, there was a lot of people you could have healed, but it had to be her. And he's like, I was hungry. I wanted her to make us some food. Your mom's a good cook, right? And this example shows us just how much Jesus cares about healing. But I wanna point something out that I think will come into play more here in a minute. Notice, notice that his mother-in-law did not ask him to heal her. I'm gonna come back to that. So if God heals, then why do Christians still get sick and die? This is the question that we ask. So we just wanna address that question head on. Why do Christians still get sick and die? Well, let me ask you this. Did Jesus bear your sin on the cross, but you still sin? Okay. Jesus took our sin on the cross, but we still sin. So I want to explain this. I want to explain penalty, power, and presence. Penalty, power, and presence. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. The moment you placed your faith in him, you were free from the penalty of sin. If you died, you would go to heaven. You would be free from the penalty of sin, which would have been an eternity separated from God in hell. But because you placed your faith in Jesus, the penalty of sin, not your concern any longer. It's already been taken. But in this life, you still wrestle with the power of sin and you're being freed from the power of sin. Because you're a Christian, you believe in Jesus. I know those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, you still struggle with sin, right? Am I the only one? Okay, just making sure. So we still struggle with sin. And as we grow in our faith and as we start to understand God more, we start to desire the things that he desires more and less of the things that our old self desire, we become more like Jesus and the power of sin starts to lose its hold on us. And then there will be a day when God comes to this sin-filled world and he renews it and restores it. Either you'll die and you'll leave this world or you'll see Jesus come back and you'll see a new heaven and a new earth and then you'll be free from the presence of sin. It will be no more. In the same way on the cross, Jesus freed us from the penalty of sickness. Do you know throughout the Old Testament, God would punish people with sickness. And many times people ask, Am I sick because God is punishing me? Is he punishing me for something I did? If you're a Christian, the answer is definitely no. Because on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty of sickness. He took that away. God cannot punish you with sickness as a Christian because Jesus already took that punishment. Okay, But in this world, you still get sick because you still experience and wrestle with the power of sickness in this sin-filled, sickness-filled world that we live in. But ultimately, when you either die and go to heaven or when Jesus restores this earth, you'll be free from the presence of sickness and death all together for eternity, okay? So God heals, but we still get sick because we live in this sin-filled, sickness-filled world. And we still kind of suffer some of the effects of that. But we need to know that God's power is stronger than the power of sickness even now. So he heals, and he can heal us now. And that's what we want to experience. So how do we receive healing? This is an important question. How do I receive healing 
the same exact way that you received Jesus. That's how you receive healing. It's the same way you receive the Holy Spirit. That's how you receive healing. It's by grace through faith. It's by grace through faith. And I want to make sure you catch that. It's not by faith. It's by grace through faith. So watch Ephesians 2.8, in case you forgot this verse or you haven't seen it. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, if it was just our faith that allowed us to be healed, we would rack, we'd walk around and brag about our healing, wouldn't we? If it was our faith that allowed us to be saved, we'd walk around and brag about how much faith, look how much faith I have. I got, he, I got healed. I got saved, right? Like, I, I, I must have had a lot of faith, right? And that's not how we're healed. It's by grace through faith. Grace tells us it's a gift from God. It cannot be deserved. It cannot be earned. God simply gives us salvation, and he simply gives us healing because he loves us, and we receive it through faith. We just need a little bit of faith. You just need the tiniest, smallest little bit of faith. Jesus said if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could move this mountain, and I never moved a mountain but I've been saved because you just need a little bit of faith. I just need a little bit of faith to access the gift of grace. And this is so important. You have to understand this because there is so much bad teaching about healing. And many people have erroneously been told the reason you haven't been healed is because you don't have enough faith. That is a lie from hell and a terrible thing to say to anyone. A terrible thing to condemn someone when they're already suffering. We don't earn our healing by having more faith. You don't build up faith in your piggy bank with God and then someday get to cash it in for a healing. It's a gift. He gives it to you. You just receive it through faith. All right, that's how we receive healing. Now, there are some people in the, the world who are even Christians. They call themselves Christians. They believe in Jesus. I'm not judging them, but here's what they'll say. God doesn't heal anymore. They'll say, there are a lot of people that say this. Do you realize that? That God doesn't heal anymore. He doesn't do that anymore. That was just for back then in Bible times. And their attempts to justify that position are ridiculous. And I don't have time to go into all of that. But I'll say this, Exodus 15, 26, God said this, I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians. I want to point out this part. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord, your healer. Here's what God is saying in this verse. He's quoting one of his names. He's saying, I am Jehovah Rapha. My name is, one of my names is the God, your healer. So it's part of his identity to heal. Healing is what he does. Healer is who he is. God cannot take his identity as healer and put it up on the shelf in time out for a couple thousand years. He never said he would do that in his word. He only said that healing is available to us. He says, call for faith, you will be healed. And it's available to you. And Jesus, he's your healer. God is your healer. We need to know God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Here's what it says, Hebrews 13, verse eight. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You need to know that's who God is. If he was our healer back then, he's our healer today, and he will ultimately heal us later, once and for all. He cannot change. 
He is who he is. We talked about stewardship last week and finances, and we read from Malachi chapter three. It's everyone's favorite chapter. And it also says this in Malachi chapter three, verse six, for the I, the Lord, do not change. I, the Lord, do not change. Sometimes people think about the Old Testament God, that he was this mean, angry God. And then in the New Testament, uh, he took some drugs and he chilled out. And then Jesus is like now the hippie, friendly God. He's the same God. You're just understanding him from different angles and more complex. He is the same. He does not change. So God is our healer. And people who say that you have to have more faith in order to be healed, they're missing it. They are missing it. Remember when Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she was just lying there sick and he walked up and he touched her hand and he healed her. We have no record of her even asking to be healed. Where was her great faith? Maybe she had some in her heart. Maybe she already knew about Jesus and believed in him. She must have had a little bit, but whether we know for sure or not, Jesus decided, I'm gonna heal you. We don't have any sign of great faith. Let me talk for another example from Matthew chapter eight. Another chapter, uh, Matthew chapter eight says, uh, and when he entered Capernaum, Jesus, a centurion came forward to him, uh, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And Jesus, he said to him, I will come and heal him. Now, I wanted to point this example out because this centurion soldier who we have heard about in church, and if you grew up in Sunday school, you maybe heard about this centurion soldier. He comes to Jesus. He has a servant at home that he loves. He comes to Jesus. My servant is terribly ill. And then Jesus says, I will come heal him. And the soldier says, oh, no, you don't have to come heal him. I mean, just say the word and he'll be healed. You're Jesus. And Jesus is like, what? This guy, he gets it. More than all y'all, he gets it. And so I love this. this. This centurion soldier, Jesus said he has great faith, great faith. But I want to point this out because I don't think his great faith had anything to do with whether or not that servant would have been healed. Because he comes to Jesus, he says, my servant is ill, he's sick. And before he shows Jesus his great faith, Jesus right away, boom, I'll come heal him. Do you see that? He says, my servant is sick, Jesus. I'll come heal him. And then the soldier says, oh, you don't have to come heal him. And that's when Jesus said, oh, you have great faith. So again, I wanted to point this out because you only need a little bit of faith, a little bit of faith to receive the gift of healing. It's through grace. Last week, we talked about stewardship, like I said. And one of the things is we're stewards of our body. Our body is a gift from God, and we should take care of it. Okay, so some people, when it comes to taking care of their body, it can fall into two extremes. And this is another error that we can get into that I wanted to mention. Some Christians, they take God out of the picture when it comes to their health. And they become obsessed with, with health and eating healthy and, and working out and taking their multivitamins. And they're kind of afraid, too, usually. And they're, they're thinking, well, I'm going to keep myself healthy. And then the other extreme, there's Christians who... They, they don't really allow modern medicine, which is a gift from God, to help them be healthy. And they kind of neglect all that stuff. They're like, oh, I don't need to go to the doctor, and I don't really need to, to take that medicine because I'll just pray and ask God to heal me. Foolishness, right? Two sides of foolishness. We want to be wise as Christians. We want to have wisdom. That's what a lot of James is about. We want to be wise. It's not just prayer. It's not just working out. We can make healthy choices and we can trust God. Amen? Yeah. We can see our physician 
and we can pray to the great physician. All right. We can take our medicine and we can pray for miracles. We should do both. Both are important. Do you know I found out statistically that 100% of people who exercise still die. So if you were thinking about doing it, I say, what's the point, right? But no, seriously, I'm all for exercise and I'm all for praying for God to heal. And if I get sick with disease, I'm gonna go to the doctor and I'm gonna pray for God's healing. And I'm so tired. Okay, I'm gonna calm myself down. We don't want to say, well, if I go to the doctor, is that a lack of faith that God can heal me? No, it's just taking advantage of the good things that God has given us, medicine and doctors who want to help us. So how should we pray for healing? When we're sick, when we're suffering, how should we pray for healing? Well, I love this example also from Matthew chapter eight. It says, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing you can make me clean. I think that's how we should pray for healing. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. I love this example. The man came, he knelt before Jesus. He knelt down before him. Lord, he recognized his authority as God. He said, if you are willing, not my will, your will be done. You can make me clean. I believe that you have the power over sickness and disease. I think that's how we should pray for healing. God, I recognize that you are in authority over all things. I don't want to just be healed according to my time. Lord, I want your will to be done, but I know that you can heal me. So I'm looking to you for help. That is how we should pray. So here's the thing. Jesus said, I am willing. And you need to know that when you ask God to heal your sickness and disease, here's the answer. He is willing. He will heal all disease. Remember, we talked about that. He will heal all sickness and disease. It will all stop. The question is not will, it's when. When will he heal me? Will he choose to heal me supernaturally now or will he choose to supernaturally heal me later? Either way, I'm gonna be healed. Now we gotta make sure we have an eternal perspective and not a short-sighted human perspective. Now when we're suffering, when we're hurting, I, I understand it's hard, it's difficult, and we'll ask God, God, take it away. Lord, Lord, pray that you'll take this away from me. And that's okay, we can ask God. God, I'm asking you to heal me, but we wanna pray this, not my will, your will be done. Just like Jesus did in Luke 22. He was in the garden of Gethsemane about to go to the cross and suffer. The physician, Luke, he tells us that Jesus was in so much agony that he sweat drops of blood. And now today, modern medicine tells us this is an actual scientific phenomenon that they observe, that you can be under so much stress, stress and have so much anguish that your capillaries will burst and mix with the sweat and come out of your pores. So Jesus was in that much agony over the cross that he was about to face. He was sweating drops of blood, and he prayed this, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So he said, Father, I want out of this. Take this cup away. If it's at all possible, if there's some other way to save creation, let's go with that plan. Nevertheless, not my will, your will be done. So now we're seeing how we should think and how we should pray. God, I'm asking you to take this sickness away. 
I don't like this. It hurts. And we can go to our Father in heaven like, like children who trust him and innocently just say, God, this hurts. I don't like this. Take it away. I'm asking you to heal me. Right now, I believe you can. And we should say, God, I know that you can. You have the power to heal me. I have faith that you can. All things are possible for you. And then we should say, I trust you. I trust you. So I think we, we want to pray this specific prayer. Uh, this is a prayer that I think we can pray when we're needing healing. Lord, I know you can heal me, and I ask you to heal me. I'm already victorious. Whether I'm healed today or healed later, you are good, and I trust you. So we're going to pray this prayer together, okay? Put this prayer up. Here we go. You're going to say it with me. Lord, I know you can heal me, and I ask you to heal me. I am already victorious. Whether I'm healed today or healed later, you are good, and I trust you. I think this is a great way for us to pray for healing. A great way. We know I am victorious over sickness. My healing has already been secured through the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm victorious whether he heals me right now today or just in a short amount of time. Because remember, in the scope of eternity, which goes on, on and on, this time that we suffer, these temporary hardships are going to seem fleeting, right? So, you know, I'm victorious. I might be healed now. I might be healed in just a few short years, but I will be healed. So Lord, I ask you to heal me. I know you can. And even if you choose not to heal me right now, you're good. You are good and I trust you. You're not good if I get what I want. You're just good. You're only good. God's goodness is not contingent on things playing out the way that we think they should. Right? It might be that God honestly allows me to go through a hard time of suffering as a part of my preparation for his purpose for my life. And I trust him enough. I want to trust his goodness enough to go through that journey, knowing he will take me out on the other side. That's why I pray you are good and I trust you. You can take this healing, take this, this sickness away right now. God, you can heal me today. Lord, I ask you to do it. But even if you know you're good, I'm victorious over this sickness and I trust you. I trust you. We pray this way. This is a way to pray. So I'm going to close with this. James chapter five says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah, Elijah was this Old Testament prophet. He was one of the heroes of the Jews. He was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then he retired to Phoenix, Arizona. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield crops. So here's why I wanted to end with this. When it comes to prayer and bringing our needs to God, I think that sometimes we don't come with our prayers to God because we don't think we're good enough to bring our needs to God. I think sometimes we think I don't deserve to have God answer my prayers because I'm not a good enough Christian. And I talk to Christians all the time. I'm like, how are you doing in your walk with God? And you see the despair come over their face like, well, not that good. Could be better. Probably don't read my Bible enough. Probably should pray more too. And I'm thinking, why are you talking like you lost? Why are you talking like you're defeated? You are not your behavior. God does not see you. He does not establish your standing before him based on what you do Monday through Sunday, right? When you place your faith in Jesus, he makes you righteous. You don't earn your righteousness. And so I, point, I wanna point this out. Elijah, the hero of the Jews, he is like Superman to the Jews. It says right here in James, he is as human as we are. 
We're sinners, right? Like we sin. Again, I'm not the only one, am I? Okay, we sin. Elijah was human as you are. But remember, James said the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But when Elijah prayed, his prayers worked. Okay, so he's human. He's a sinner too. But his prayers are powerful and effective. That tells me he was viewed as righteous by God. In the same way, even if you mess up on Thursday, if you place your faith in Jesus, he views you as righteous every day. He literally clothes you with the righteousness of Christ. He does not see your sin any longer. Scripture says he takes it away as far as the east is from the west. He sees only the righteousness of Christ in you. You are hidden in Christ. What does that mean? It means you're righteous, therefore your prayers are powerful and effective. Come on, you need to know I can bring my prayers to God and they're powerful and effective because he sees me as righteous. This is important. Let's bow our heads. If you're here and you need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So maybe you say, I want to be forgiven. I want in on this. It sounds amazing. I want to be part of the family of God. I want to follow Jesus and be made into a new creation. I'm, I'm ready. This is your opportunity right now. So what I'm going to do is just lead you in a prayer because we're saved by grace through faith. It's not something you have to earn. You don't have to go to a class to be saved. You just simply receive Jesus and the gift that he offers you. So this is a prayer I'm gonna lead you in. You can pray this with me. Just say, God, I need your forgiveness. I know I can't earn it, but I believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin. And I believe that he rose again so I could have victory over sin and death. Lord, come into my life and change me. Help me to be more like you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Would you stand to your feet? God is good, amen. And what I wanna do first is just recognize if anyone prayed that prayer and just accepted Jesus into their heart, I just wanna celebrate with you. We're not gonna embarrass you or do anything weird to you, but we're just gonna cheer with you because that's the most important decision you could ever make in your entire life. More important than who you marry or where you work, it's the day you decide to say yes to Jesus. That's the most important day of your life. So we wanna celebrate that. If you just accepted Jesus right now, on the count of three, shoot your hand up. One, God loves you. Two, welcome to his family. Three, just shoot that hand up. We're gonna celebrate. Awesome, thank you. Anybody else? That's so good. Great, people all day have been accepting the salvation that Jesus offers. And now what I wanna do is for us to have an opportunity to put this into practice and pray for healing. Because God is our healer, isn't he? So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have our prayer team come forward. Our pastors and our leaders are gonna be up at the front of this stage. And when you uh, feel led, you can come up to them if you have a need in your life to be physically healed from sickness or disease or mentally healed. One of the things I prayed for a lot today for people who were people that wanted healing for mental illness, depression and suicidal thinking. And so that's something that we can pray for as well. You're gonna come forward when we start to worship here and they're gonna pray for you. They're gonna anoint you with oil just like we read about. They're just gonna put it right on your forehead. You can share with them what you want prayer for and they're gonna pray with you. And we're gonna pray like we just talked about. God, I know you can heal me and I ask you to heal me. I know I'm victorious over this whether you heal me today or later. You're good and I trust you. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe for God to heal. Amen? So we're gonna pray and then the worship team's gonna lead us and then we can come. God.
I thank you as you begin to move in our hearts today. Lord, I've already heard good reports of healings in this place today. So as we come with our needs, God, I pray that you'll meet us here, meet our needs, and bring healing. In Jesus' name, amen.